interested in taking a deep dive each week into a compliance or compliance-related topic? Then Compliance Into the Weeds is the podcast for you. Join Matt Kelly, the coolest guy in compliance, and Tom Fox, the voice of compliance, as they go into the weeds to flesh out a story which you can use to better inform your compliance program. Both you and your compliance program will be the better for listening to this podcast. Compliance Into the Weeds is a production of the Compliance Podcast Network. Hello, everyone. Tom Fox, the voice of compliance, back again with Matt Kelly, the coolest guy in compliance for another episode, and uh, we're going to continue to go into the weeds on some coronavirus issues. Matt had a really interesting and I thought fun and informative blog post uh, this past weekend about a guy named Frank. So, Matt, first of all, welcome. Uh, And what can Frank tell us about compliance in the time of COVID-19? Yeah. Hi, Tom. Uh, Hello, everybody, and I hope you're all well here. This was a fascinating conversation I had with a compliance officer over the weekend uh, who I have named Frank. That is not his real name, and I will not divulge too much about him. But here's what I can say. So Frank is the chief compliance officer at a wealth management firm with north of $50 billion in assets under management. So it's a large wealth management firm. You know, it's respectable size, not huge. Um, But they do have uh, a lot of financial advisors. That is who Frank tends to work with. Some of them are in-house. Some of them are independent financial advisors who work on a contract basis with his wealth management firm. His firm provides money and financial planning services to the financial advisors who in turn work with high net worth individuals to come up with retirement plans and other financial plans for their daily lives. Um, And What Frank told me is that last week, he started to get a spike of requests, a huge spike of requests from the financial advisors that work with his firm for more money. They wanted to take out loans from the wealth management firm, from Frank's firm, and extend those to clients so that the clients could then invest into the markets. And I want to emphasize that again because it struck me as surreal. But they basically, these financial advisors, are saying that we want to borrow money from the firm and give it to our clients. I just had some uh, extra food in my throat. I did not have the COVID cough. Um, But they wanted to borrow money from the firm, lend it to their high net worth clients so the clients could then make bets in the market, assuming that Wall Street right now is near its bottom – And they would make leveraged bets on the market so that they could make a killing in several more months when the market tries to rebound. And Frank told me that he has been getting roughly five times the usual requests for leverage in any given month. Uh, He is seeing about five times that volume, all of it happening within the last week. And he then called around to some of his other compliance officer friends in wealth management firms. And they all confirmed that, yeah, this is a thing. Uh, There's a lot of financial advisors who are asking to borrow money and saying that because our rich clients want it so they can bet into the market and make a killing in six or eight months on the rebound. Uh, Here is the tricky part for a compliance officer like Frank is that these loans can be a reasonable part of financial planning. And in normal times, Frank's firm 
does say, well, yeah, sure, you know, we might give loans in this circumstance. We might not in some other circumstances. The financial advisors are supposed to fill out some uh, due diligence forms and know your customer forms about who is this client, how many assets do they have, what are their liabilities, their income, uh, what's their retirement horizon. And you're supposed to get a complete picture for the actual client so Frank's firm can make the judgment do we want to lend money to this person right now or not? And has the financial advisor fulfilled their compliance obligations around these due diligence requirements? So we can make a good uh, assessment of that because our firm, we have regulatory compliance obligations to act in the best interests of those clients. And all of this has gone out the window um, these days. You know, Frank's getting a ton of requests. He's not sure what to make of them. How many are legit? How many are financial advisors basically fibbing and trying to borrow the money? And then they're, then they're going to lean on the client saying, you should invest now. You're going to make a killing. Do it, do it, do it, which is not what you were supposed to be doing. Um, you know, he has no idea what to do here. And then fundamentally, the risk landscape that he is trying to assess against has changed. And he's got no idea when it might return to normal. So I'll give you the example. In a normal time... If a wealthy restaurateur said, I want to borrow a million dollars to make a big bet on the stock market, and here's all my my portfolio looks great, so I can certainly take on a million in leverage. Well, the firm would look at that wealthy restaurateur and say, okay, yeah, sure. You know, makes sense. Here you go. Well, do you really want to lend to a restaurateur right now, no matter how wealthy he or she is? Because we have no idea when the restaurants are going to reopen. We have no idea how much business they're going to get. Uh, maybe it's possible we'll all come to love takeout and we'll never go out dining again. Um, but ditto for wealthy tourism or hotel owners or anybody else in these sort of um, consumer-friendly businesses. We have no idea how COVID is going to permanently alter the financial picture for those industries. So that's Frank's world. And he's trying to figure out which end is up for risk assessment and trying to convince all of his financial advisors that due diligence is so important these days. Um, and it's it's a mess, Tom. But but that's where he is. I thought it was a fascinating story that he had to tell. One quote you had from Frank really struck me, Matt, which was, quote, I have to look at this now with a completely different eye, end quote. This is not a separate set yeah. of eyes, or as I would say, the eyes of Dr. T.J. Meckelberg, uh, from The Great Gatsby, this is really looking at things in a very different way uh, because it's it's more than simply a new and different risk. Now we've really moved to an unknown risk. The, the, a great way to think about it is that historically, the client's wealth was a, the deciding factor in whether they could carry more leverage. You know, if their personal balance sheet looked pretty good and they could carry more leverage, Sure. Now, the client's line of business is the deciding factor on if they can carry more leverage. And you have to decide, how is COVID going to affect this line of business that the client is in? And therefore, what sort of extra assurance and documentation do we need about this client to decide whether the leverage is appropriate or not? And Frank readily admitted, like, I got no idea. You know, if he knew how COVID would affect the restaurant business, I'm sure he could provide valuable information on MSNBC or CNBC or any number of you know news and government outlets who are equally in the dark about this. But 
that is the the challenge that they face right now is that COVID is introducing risks we've never thought of before, um, and we don't yet have the assessment tools for them. But nonetheless, the risks are here and now, and we have to figure out how to assess them some way. So that is his fundamental challenge. And it struck me in reading your post and now listening to you in a little more detail that this was uh, not simply uh, not being prepared for a risk. This uh, requires a compliance professional, Frank, here in a a regulated industry to be able to literally pivot uh, on perhaps even a week's notice, perhaps longer, perhaps shorter, but in an incredibly compressed time frame to an entirely different set of risks that, once again, I said, or I mentioned earlier, are unknown risk. And this is something, our last podcast, we touched upon crisis management and how you need to be prepared. This is a situation where uh, it's, uh, I don't want to say he wasn't prepared, but the risk is so different than any other risk he uh, and his industry have faced that he he has to completely uh, change gears while flying at 40,000 feet at 485 miles an hour. Pretty much, yeah. I mean, it's you're absolutely right. This is no fault of Frank's or anybody else's for, you know, how do you prepare for this? You know, when we typically talk about pandemic preparedness, we're thinking more in terms of business continuity. You know, do we understand how to get everybody to work from home? Do we understand the cybersecurity risks? Do we have the policies and procedures to allow for sick employees to stay home? And, and he readily admitted that, management has been so consumed with those business continuity risks that they are just now starting to realize some of their fundamental business processes and assumptions are also changing and, you know, changing in ways nobody had really stopped to anticipate before. And I don't know necessarily that you would anticipate them like that. Um, I thought it was interesting that he did say, uh, you know, he's getting a flood of requests from the advisors and there are already are policies and procedures and documentation that the financial advisors do need to submit whenever they're going to ask for loans and leverage um, at any time. And so a fair number of them are submitting the documentation. Sometimes they're pretty loosey-goosey on it. Sometimes they're thorough about it. But what struck me is that to a certain extent, even when the policies and procedures around all of the documentation for your clients, even when that's all done correctly, um, and at least some portion of it is not being done correctly. Frank knows there's some portion of his advisors are acting first and as asking the client second. But even if everything goes according to Hoyle, um, it's not just about going through the motions of the proper documentation. All they're doing is providing the documentation to do a risk analysis that no longer necessarily is valid given the risk environment that exists. Um, And then in that case, like who cares that the client came up with all of the right answers about my assets and liabilities and my net worth and my retirement horizon and everything else. And it all matches your requirements. So you have to give me an extra million dollars in leverage. Like if the client is in a business that might be forever changed by COVID, then that's the thing that Frank, the compliance officer and his firm, that's what they have to worry about. This is not so much a regulatory compliance exercise. It's a risk management exercise that has transcended the normal compliance procedures to help him get to the right risk analysis. The right risk analysis is now outdated because the risk has changed. 
and he doesn't necessarily know what the right one is yet, but he knows that he's got to keep his head in the game much more now just on what's the right thing to do, not just do we have all the documentation. And I think that's a very important point for compliance officers to keep in mind. Um, you know, are you going through the motions so you can do a a historical sort of risk analysis that is no longer fit for the COVID world? That's probably the, the question that you need to ask yourself. So I will announce to our listeners that uh, we will explain the reference according to Hoyle in our a special uh, supplemental segment for our subscribers. The um, struck me, Matt, though, that the focus needs to be on the process, uh, including your procedures, because you need to uh, ground yourself in the rigor of that process so that you document not only the information you have looked at, but your decision-making process as well. And we both have, uh, I think, explored AI and what that might mean for the compliance practitioner. But this really drives home for me the need for a human eye over the new information uh, put within the rigor of your process so that you can come to some type of reasoned, I don't want to say reasonable, but reasoned uh, decision. Yeah, I think that um, this is one of those occasions where human experience and wisdom is probably crucial as much as we are fans of AI, which I am. But I think that we don't want to be lulled into a false sense of security that our processes and our due diligence and documentation um, maneuvers and procedures, that they will guide us to the right answer. Um, that may have been true right up until COVID exploded, but we have no idea now what the right answer may or may not be. Um, and you can't just go through the motions of a uh, procedure that you've relied on for a long time and gather up the right information that the procedure says, and you type in all the, the numbers at the proper place. It runs a calculation and says, yes, extend leverage, no, don't. Um, you know, that's not going to be sufficient anymore. You still need what I called it substantive due diligence. But really, now that I'm talking out loud, it's more like you got to keep your head in the game about does this make sense given the best amount of information we know? Always remembering we don't have a complete sense of information here. We do not have the complete picture. Don't know when we will. Don't know what it's going to look like. Um, and anybody who says otherwise is making it up. Um, so that's really why thinking and, uh, you know, uh, critical thinking processes about is this going to be a wise move given what we think we know about the fundamental risks now. That's where you're trying to go with your your policies and procedures as you're trying to get guided to the right answer. The uh, In your blog post, you ended with a short section on bigger lessons for the compliance uh, profession, I thought. And in your second one, if I can pick up on my point on process uh, and procedure that you then uh, further articulated that um, what you, you you need to be grounded yet you need to be able to make uh, changes and go beyond policy and procedure when the assumptions you're using changed and you really tied that into yeah. when the world change changes you need to have the ability to change with that and perhaps that's the the biggest lesson for the compliance profession at this point. You know, I, I struggled a bit as I was listening to Frank because I think um, compliance officers in wealth management and registered investment advisors, a lot of his experience probably sounds very familiar to you. But for ethics and compliance officers outside of those professions, 
you know, I have been trying to figure out what are the the key points that might be also applicable for you in healthcare or mining or retail or I don't know what, but I'm really, it's probably just you need to step back and question the fundamental assumptions about risks in your business. And then if those assumptions are changing, what does that mean for the policies and procedures that kind of went on autopilot, frankly, to let you go through a lot of transactions at scale, which is great if the assumptions are steady. But when the assumptions change, then if you're going through procedures at scale for so many transactions, but the but the foundation is changed now, you're, you're going to get a different result and it could be very bad for you very quickly. I don't know how this is going to be a sustainable thing for three, four, six months out, but at least in the very immediate concern, um, we really have to think much more on a case-by-case basis about what makes sense here. I'm not saying that's easy to do. I'm not saying it's going to be quick. It's probably going to be very painstaking for a lot of people, but Frank is doing this client request by client request, and it is taking him a long time right now, but that might be the world that we're going to suffer through for the next four, six, eight weeks as we try and get our bearings here. Well, I think uh, the only thing I would take uh, a little bit different, Matt, is that is the world we're going to suffer for the next four, six, or eight weeks. Uh, Even if the president uh, does tell everybody to go back to work, uh, the world has changed and uh, we're not in a place where we can draw upon experience to to guide us going uh, down the road. So all I can say is I look forward to continuing the conversation. Thank you, Tom. Hello, everyone. This is Tom Fox again. Thank you for listening to this episode of Compliance Into the Weeds. We're going to link to Matt's uh, blog post on uh, this issue. So check that out in the show notes. I'm also pleased to announce that I'm starting a new podcast, Compliance and Coronavirus clarity and sanity for the compliance practitioner. So look for that new podcast on the Compliance Podcast Network. Compliance Into the Weeds is a production of the Compliance Podcast Network and a proud member of C-Suite Radio. I hope you will join Matt and I again next week when we take up another topic of Compliance Into the Weeds. Thanks so much for listening. And now for that special bonus. Matt used the phrase, according to Hoyle, If you don't know what according to Hoyle means, it is a North American phrase that means according to regulation, according to rules in the correct fashion. The Hoyle reference is in according with the name of Edmund Hoyle, an Englishman who was a writer and a barrister. He wrote treatises on the rules and winning strategies of playing cards and other games. His first treaty was a short treatise on the game of whist published in 1742. In 1748, Hoyle's publisher collected Hoyle's treatises in one volume. By 1780, other writers referred to the game rules that were, quote, according to Hoyle, end quote. Many books about game rules are published with the name Hoyle in the title. Those titled according to Hoyle are marketed under the name of Richard L. Frey. Today, according to Hoyle is a phrase that is used figuratively to describe any situation where the rules and regulations are followed. So this has been our special bonus information of this week's Compliance Into the Weeds. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.